This is TSFPN.com, the Sci-Fi Podcast Network. You found the best podcast in the universe. It's Friday, October 14th, and you're listening to The Secrets. Welcome to this podcast of The Secrets, a podcast for anyone who is serious about writing. The Secrets home can be found at www.stormwolf.com. For the next 15 minutes, we'll talk about writing and how to get you even closer to seeing your name on the spine of a book. Welcome to this seventh special edition of The Secrets. This podcast, along with the two preceding it, constitute a trilogy of sorts. I'll call it the Get Writing Trilogy, because these podcasts address a lot of the basic stuff most writers go through to get going. The previous two have covered a lot about the structure and story, and I'll hit more of that here. And I'll add some practical stuff that will get you moving. I'm your host, Michael A. Stackpole. I'm a published novelist with 38 books to my credit, including eight that have been on the New York Times bestseller list. I've won awards for novels, short story collections, games, and computer games. And my novels alone are published in nine different languages. I actually make my living writing. That means people pay me to churn out stories for them. And let me tell you, it's the best job in the world. It's not the easiest job, mind you, but it is the best. The Secrets Podcast is an audio companion to my writing newsletter, also called The Secrets. If you head to my homepage, www.stormwolf.com, you can learn more about The Secrets, download some sample issues, and subscribe to it. In addition, if you head over to the Sci-Fi Podcast Network website, tsfpn.com, you can participate in the discussion forum related to this and other writing shows. This podcast was actually suggested by Jim Kay over at the Startcast, though I really have a feeling it was Emily that gave him the idea. He suggested that I tackle the subject of getting started, and when I mentioned that to other people, they chimed in with all sorts of things that ought to be in here. You might think, in fact, that this show should be the first in the trilogy, but I'm glad it's the last. I firmly believe that most folks don't get started writing because they've let themselves get trapped into some mental image of what it's like to write. Since they don't see themselves having all their ducks in a row, they never start. And if you never start, you never finish, never submit, and never get your name on the spine of a book. Before you worry about any practical item, like whether or not you have office supplies and that sort of thing, you gotta know one thing. Where does your story start? If you don't know where your story starts, you're never going to begin writing it. Orson Scott Card, the science fiction writer who penned Ender's Game, among lots of other really good books, has an excellent book on writing called Characters and Viewpoint. I highly recommend the book. Card points out that a story only begins at a point of change in the life of the main character. Someone who is perfectly happy isn't going to go adventuring. There's nothing in it for him. Folks who are happy or blissfully ignorant of their unhappiness are satisfied with the status quo. There are no stories there. Imagine this as the opening line of a story. Until Deirdre asked him if he wanted to get a drink after work, Tom had never considered himself unhappy in his marriage. Bang. Right there we have a situation that leads to a story. Tom realizes he's unhappy in his marriage. What he chooses to do about it will be the story. Does he leave his wife and take up with Deirdre? Does he get his wife into counseling? Is Deirdre an old friend who's going to let him know that his wife has been cheating on him? 
Is Deirdre a friend who's going to tell him that despite his wishing it otherwise, he's really no longer married because his wife is dead or divorced him or ran off years ago and hasn't been heard from since? Any of these choices would be a great place to start a story. What's more important here, though, is that any one of these questions promises an explosive beginning to the story. They all involve sex to one degree or another, which generally gets readers going. Infidelity, having a secret, these are things that also intrigue readers. Any reader who's wondering about his own personal relationship is going to leap into the story. It's vital that you find a place to start that is explosive and exciting, both for your readers and for you. A lot of stories start with what I used to call the Telstar view of the world, but that really dates me. The idea is, however, that a story starts establishing that there's a planet with a continent on it and a nation and a state and a town and a house and then you see a person. And that person has a problem. Heck with that. Cut immediately to the chase. Give us the tough stuff first and worry about all that establishment crap later. It's far more important to get into the character and the conflict than any of the geography or chronology, anything like that. It's characters. Just remember that. So you get to the characters first and go from there. You want a place to start that is so compelling you're itching to tear into it. It'll prime the pump and it'll give you something to wow your readers. Your starting place is critical and you're not going to begin without it. As I noted in the last podcast, character arcs are the soul of your story. I said you had to look at where you want your character to end up, then pick a point before that as where they start. You define the character as being different than he will be at the end, and then you pick the points through the story, both scenes and events, that will prompt the changes you foresee to get the character from start to finish. In other words, you see who he is at the end, you figure out who he was at the start, and you connect the dots to get him there. With that in mind, and brace yourselves, we're going to talk about outlining. I know, you hate outlining, you've hated outlining since the third grade. Well, this isn't your academic outlining, this is combat outlining. This is putting down enough about your story to hold it together and make it scream. The trick is this, if you do the basic work now, it makes changing things later so much more simple. Moreover, you'll see the correspondences between things that will let you write a really tight book. Okay, let's assume we're writing about poor Tom. He works hard in a stock brokerage, facilitating the creation of joint ventures between disparate companies and moving the stock of the resulting new corporations. It's a tough but exciting job. His wife is from an old family, one that once was rich but since has fallen on hard times. His wife married him for his money and because she was quite the beauty and younger than he, Tom fell for her. Her family friends see him as nouveau rich and a bit of a nerd, treating him very badly, but he accepts it. He always was kind of an ugly duckling kid and hasn't realized that he's become a great swan. Ultimately, our intention is for him to discover how horrible his wife is, how great he really is, and for him to find a suitable match and live happily ever after. It's pretty easy to plot some points that will get us such things. We need a scene that shows how he's treated by others. We need to see him at work being brilliant. We need to see how his wife truly loathes him. We need to see him under pressure and in a position to see how evil she is. Actually, we'll need a number of scenes where she tortures him. At the same time, the story is going to need a complication, and that complication will be a plot to defraud the brokerage, backers, and others of a lot of money. So we create Sean, the front man for a swindle. Uh, it's going to be a swindle of Enron type proportions. 
He's gotten control of a company, is cooking the books, and is looking to conceal the same from investors. So he's looking to dazzle Tom, cut a deal, and head to Brazil with a lot of money and a woman. Since we're doing a nice moral tale here, we also know the guy's plot will fail due to Tom, ultimately. Still, we need to establish how Sean is everything that Tom is not. So we need to see society accepting him, and so forth. And then, of course, we have Deirdre. Deirdre is the vice president of a bank that does a lot of work with Tom's firm. So they know each other. She was married to an older man who has since died, so she's accepted into society, but she's still young and rich and pretty and smart enough to be a catch. She does catch Sean's eye, but she's suspicious of him. Ultimately, we'd like her and Tom to hook up, but this will be a long process since Tom is married and Deirdre treats marriage as sacred, no matter how lousy it is. For each of these characters, we lay out the scenes we need to move them from start to finish. Let's target having 10 of them, say. That would give us 30 chapters with an added 10 for a variety of things. It puts our novel around 100,000 words, which is what we want. In just looking at the scene list, you can actually begin to order things, with a Tom chapter being every third chapter, Sean's stuff likewise, and then the Deirdre chapters. Viewpoint chapters from Tom's wife or assorted other characters can be slipped in as needed. And please, don't sweat it if you can't fill up all 40 chapters at the start. You'll be surprised how things grow as you go along. Stories expand to fill the available space. Trust me, just make sure you got lots of paper for printing stuff out. Now if you look at our three arcs, you'll notice that in each one of them we've got a chapter that deals with how the character is accepted by society. For Tom, it would be chapter four, society treats him badly. In the Sean arc, it would be society treats Sean well. For Deirdre, it's society accepts Deirdre. That's cool because it's part of defining who they are. But here's the trick. We could have three separate chapters where we contrive to show how that happens, how society treats them, or we tap one event and let all three of those chapters revolve around it. In other words, instead of having a party for Tom, a golf outing for Sean, and a night at the theater for Deirdre, we just have one huge party where we get to see how the same society folks treat all of them. The contrast is great, and it gives us a chance to see all the characters react to each other there. It can be the place where Deirdre and Sean first meet, or Sean meets Tom's wife, Natalie, since we know Sean will seduce her and she'll be the one that he's going to run off with so she can be ruined. Moreover, we've still got a golf outing or the theater that we can use as joint events later to reinforce points or to move the plot along. And we know that a couple of Sean's chapters are going to show him getting a piece of Tom's wife, which is part of Sean's plan to distract Tom enough that he won't see through the razzle-dazzle with the books. On top of that, because we've defined what Sean is doing as being on a scale of Enron or Tycho's mismanagement, we can do our research. We can dig into the allegations about those companies find events they pulled off, and we chuck them into the story. What you may not have noticed yet is this. It's something that's really subtle. You actually have a fourth story arc in here. That's the world event arc. Everything that characters do or that happens to them will come from and reflect back into the world event arc. Plotting and outlining the tale then becomes a process of layering. You create one character arc, it creates events, and those events will figure into the other character arcs. Those arcs will create more events, and the process begins again. After two rounds of syncing things up, you have the start of a very nice, tight story. 
This layering or lamination process is critical to having a good strong book, which is actually why I like the image of lamination. It makes things very strong. If you were to cut any one point in your novel, it would have repercussions in all the other parts, and that's very important. It's also not easy to do, and when it fails, it makes the whole book look wrong. Tom Clancy's novel, Sum of All Fears, has a gross failure at this sort of thing. Tom loves his Submariner characters and insists on including them in this novel, even though they really had nothing to do with the events of the book. If you read through it, you'll see that you could pull the submarine chapters and it wouldn't make a bit of difference in what's happening in the book. You could just zip them right out of there. No difference at all. Therefore, those chapters should have been edited out or should have been tied tightly back in. If you can't tie them in, take them out. And as you evaluate novels that you read, you'll see subplots that can be zipped just out and you've got authors who are either incompetent or lazy because they really should know how to do this stuff. In the best books then, character and event arcs are woven together tightly. Not only will this make your readers marvel at what you're doing, but the structure makes it easier for you to get out of trouble. Because anything that happens has repercussions, even a random event takes on significance in other lines. That means it's no longer really a random event, but a trial all the characters have to weather. It becomes an exercise in contrasting characterization, and it makes you look brilliant. All of what I just said may take another listener or two to get down. Just play with the examples and see if you could generate 10 single-sentence chapter descriptions for each character's art for Tom and Sean and Deirdre. If you want, you could even write them on index cards and then just shuffle them together to get your order. Once you have that bare-bones listing, you're set to outline. Professional outlines vary. Mine tend to be a paragraph per chapter. They cover what's going to happen in that chapter and often include notes to myself about something that will be significant. I might, for example, put down, quote, dog brings Tom slippers, end quote. This isn't really significant then, but when the dog brings Tom a sock that Sean left in the house, well, the jig is up for his wife. Some writers go into more detail, others use less. I've written novels where I did a paragraph breakdown for the first 10 chapters, then outlined five chapter chunks after that. Stories can be different, and that's fine. You'll find the style of outlining that's comfortable for you. The key is to generate enough material to give you a direction to go in. It also provides you a structure so you can make notes that carry things forward from earlier in the book. Now this is a really important point. I need you to repeat after me. I'll make a note. I'll fix that later. No, really, I'm serious. Repeat after me, out loud. I'll make a note. I'll fix that later. Um, you there with the black nanopod on the bus? Out loud. Don't worry about the lady staring at you. She's off her meds anyway. Now do it. I'll make a note. I'll fix it later. Good. That's something you're going to be saying a lot. Notes are your friend. I use a notebook to hold my notes, and I'm constantly making them. Notes prevent you from going back and editing as you go along. Editing as you go is bad. You have to keep moving forward, keep putting words on the page. You make notes, you fix things later. Why? Because the act of finishing a story or a novel will give you the skills that will allow you to fix things. There's no use trying to fix things before you know how to do it. You'll just make things worse. Make notes, repair later. 
Okay, now two practical things. First, make hard copy as you go and keep it in a binder. Why? Because you can make notes on the manuscript. Also, it's easier to look up a detail in the manuscript than it is in a file. Well, okay, maybe I'm lying there. But if you don't open an old file, you won't be tempted to start editing. That's it. Go ahead and smile because that's what you were thinking of doing, wasn't it? Just open a file, mess around with it a little bit. No. Make notes, fix later. Second, if you work on a computer, back up your files after every session and do a quick save whenever you pause for more time than it takes for your machine to save your file. While it is possible to reconstruct a file, it's not fun and you really don't want to do it. Learn from the mistakes of others, like me, and back up often. Let me just take a moment to mention themes. A lot of folks think that stories must contain themes. Some writers plan their stories around themes. I tend not to think too much about them, but I've sometimes found after I've finished a story that I have a theme running through it. A theme is a unifying concept that plays through the story. In our story above, we might explore the theme of love versus selfishness. If that's something you want to put in or something you discover in a tale, you can always go through and strengthen it in a subsequent draft. In the beginning, however, look at getting the story down and leave the flourishes for later drafts. Another thing that's very important, you will get better at this the more you do it. There will come a point where you'll see a theme developing and you can work with it in the first draft. You'll see how a throwaway line in chapter 3 will connect up with something in chapter 12. Of course, at that point, you make a note beside chapter 12 in your outline to connect it to the thing in chapter 3. Or, if you see the connection in reverse, you make a note on the first page of chapter 3 in the manuscript. The reason I know you'll get better is because you'll be working at your writing. You'll see the improvement, not day by day, but when you look back six months later, you'll see big changes. As long as you push yourself to improve, as long as you work at it and study other writers, especially those who are better than you, you will get better. Okay, so here's the final secret to getting started. Sit your butt down in a chair, pick up a pen or turn on your computer and start writing. You already have that first scene, that hot one you've been wanting to write. You know how something of that is going to be used in the next chapter and the next so start plotting the dots and writing the stuff to connect them. But in chair is the one thing 99% of the folks who want to be writers will never do. Do it and you'll succeed. Most folks think there are a million ways to do this writing thing all wrong, but they're in error. There are a million ways to do it right. Every writer has his own way of handling things. When they work, what they write with, whether or not they show folks work in progress, whether or not they talk about it as they go, whether they listen to music or not, whether they must have silence, or whether they can write in loud and smoky bars, it's all different. And that's as it should be, since all of us are different, and we're writing our own work. In fact, there's only a single way to get the writing thing wrong, refusing to sit down and write. It's quitting on yourself and your story, and neither of you deserves that. Sit down and start. Keep moving forward. Work and learn. Make notes fix later. You've probably read a book and thought, I can do better than that. And you can. And that first word on paper is how you start. So, once this podcast is finished, make a start. 
you can do it. And I guarantee that when you do start and when you finish, it'll have been harder but better than you could ever have imagined. I want to thank you for listening to The Secrets, and I'd like to ask a favor of all of you. I don't want you to go to a site and vote for my podcast. What I'd really like is for you to turn a friend on to it. You undoubtedly know someone else who wants to write and doesn't know where to start. Some of you are in a writer's group or taking writing classes. Please, burn a CD or point someone else at The Secrets. I'm hoping to get you closer to fulfilling your dream of writing, so why not do the same for another friend? This is Michael A. Stackpole for The Secrets. You can find out more about the writing newsletter at www.stormwolf.com, including getting some sample issues to look at. The podcast also has a discussion forum at www.tsfpn.com. Please feel free to come over, ask questions, and participate in the discussions about writing. This podcast is copyright 2005 by Michael A. Stackpole. I'll be back in a week or so with more about writing and working with words. Until then, good luck with your writing.